It's been a long while since we last recorded an episode of the Aggressively OK podcast. I am your host, Joseph Salamone. I am joined by my Vice-featured co-host. Oh, yes. I was on Vice, wasn't I? I, I thought you were going to be like Vice President or something, but no. <laughs> my um, Vice, Adam. Yeah, yeah. Vice. Um, I, I was on Vice for some fucking reason. So if you see me on Twitter, like you just see my fucking face on a headline somewhere, you know what happened. I was on Vice. Uh, my name's Adam Sidorius. And you know what, man? Like a lot has happened since we last recorded. Mm-hmm. Uh, we aggressively okay want a film festival. <laughs> <laughs> we did. Oh, I forgot about that. Man, look at that. I was you were in Vice and then uh, Spike won something. So this is a big week. This is a big uh, big run for AOK. <laughs> yeah, big May was a big month for us. So much that we only produced one episode that entire month. <laughs> but you know what? We're back, baby. We're we're back in the swing of things. We're here to talk about some uh, some movies. We're here to talk about politics. We're here to talk about uh, we're here to talk about um, killing each other. We're yeah. here to talk about um, drugs, alcohol, uh, sex. We're not like, well, we're going to go into it. Like we're, we're going all in. You excited? I'm, I, I've been looking forward to this all week, frankly. I've been telling all my friends about it. I called it. Out it's only Tuesday. So it's kind of crazy. <laughs> like all week. <laughs> yeah, just, yes. Just Memorial Day. I was all jealous <laughs> for it. And he was off work and in his bedroom alone yesterday. So, mm-hmm. like, he was just talking to himself about how excited he was. To be I did. Pod. I watched the Bo Burnham special three times, and then I was excited for this. That's That was my Memorial Day. And if you want to hear our thoughts on that, wait till the end of the episode when we talk about mm-hmm. it. Um, so, I guess first I wanted to bring up the box office weekend that we had, where both A Cruella and A Quiet Place Part 2 came out. Um, and we both saw them. We'll give our like little reviews for them in a second. But I just want to say like the box office is back? Question mark. Like this is the first week where we had a um, over a hundred million uh, box office since like COVID began, if I'm not mistaken. And um, because like Quiet Place made 47, Cruella made 20. Like it really seems like movies are back, man. <laughs> like. Mm-hmm. It's really like gearing up to be like that. Um, I mean, you you went to go see both of these movies. Like, how was like the mood at the theater and like everything? Like, did it seem um, like the movies are truly back? The uh, the Cruella showing I went to was kind of empty. I went to see Cruella like at like I think it was like a ten thirty ten forty five or it was like a nine fifty ten thirty showing. I don't remember the exact time, so it was pretty late. So there was nobody there. But my uh, my a Quiet Place, um, I saw it in I think it was in Adobe and it was a sold out showing. It was socially distant still, but it was it was the biggest crowd I had been in uh, yet. So that was pretty. I was pretty like. Um, it was nice to see kind of a big because Quiet Place is a you know not to jump ahead, but it's a pretty tense movie. So to see that yeah. in, a, in a theater was really nice. And then the box office uh, was huge. Sorry, Tenet, but John Krasinski <laughs> dunked on you. <laughs> he did. Uh, so really, who's the king of cinema now, baby? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, I I agree. I think a Quiet Place Part Two is probably like. I got to say, it probably is the biggest crowd I've been with since COVID began. Um, it's funny because like when I went to go see it with friend of the pod, Zach Perry, um, last week, we went to the Thursday night showing. I was at a 6 p.m. standard showing for it. 
in like not even like a minute into the movie the speakers in the auditorium blew out and so like the movie's starting and there's no audio and you're like is this deliberate like like you don't know if there's supposed to be sound happening right now um which is kind of the both like the best and worst movie for that to happen with (laughs) (laughs) is a quiet place um but we got moved to an even bigger auditorium so they basically like refunded all of our tickets and transfers to rpx theater at regal and so therefore it was like um, a soul, like a, a big crowd on top of an even bigger crowd, just like added on to it, like two auditoriums combined together. And it was, I mean, I'm vaccinated, so I feel kind of safe to be in auditoriums again. And I got to say, it was really cool to just be in a giant crowd, like, and like experience a movie with like people reacting to it and to just like see them really, I don't know, they, they were really engaged with the movie which is a feeling that I really missed. I mean, yeah, we've seen big movies in theaters since, like, you know, because we had Tenet, Godzilla. Um, but, like, this is the first time I've been with a truly, like, fun audience, mm-hmm. you know? Like, it, it was fun to see a big movie with a big crowd. Um, and the box office shows that. Like, I mean, $47 million, That's and that's only the, the, the three-day weekend. I, I think the four-day mm-hmm. weekend was, like, 50 or something uh yeah it was like 56 million like that's crazy that's mm-hmm. really good for especially with like social distancing and not every theater in america is open right now mm-hmm. like that's really impressive numbers yeah and i think some states are still like i don't think have the theaters open back up in california yet they have but like not every chain is like fully open or in like mm-hmm. Um, and like not ever even chains like they have some locations that are closed. So like I like I read an estimate like yes like there's more theaters open now than there have been since COVID began. But like it's still not like there are still some theaters like just chains that are closed because they haven't like been able to financially recoup or whatever. Um, but still that being said like it, it's really showing that there's a there's like a hunger for movie theaters mm-hmm. out there and. Um, it kind of like makes you wonder if the HBO and Disney plus and all that shit is helping hurting whatever, because like how much money, how much more money would Krilla have made if it wasn't on Disney plus? And I'm genuinely asking, I don't really know. Yeah. Like, have they released the kind of the metric. Cause I haven't, I've met, I've talked to more people who saw Krilla in theaters than I haven't met any. I don't know anybody who watched it on Disney plus. No, it's not. Uh, I, I like they're kind of like the Netflix thing where they don't mm-hmm. give out, especially not for those premier access things. They only I don't announce think... it when it's the number one. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, because like with WandaVision and like Mandalorian and all that jazz, they put out numbers for that. Um, but that's th- because it's through Nielsen who like uh like Les- they do ratings. Lee? What's that? Leslie Nielsen. Yes, Leslie Nielsen. Yes. Oh wow. Exactly. Uh, He yeah he tallies up all the ratings. (laughs) I mean, good work if you can get it. But (laughs) personally, he does it. He goes door to door and asks what you're watching. Uh, (laughs) um, But uh, no, but Nielsen like they they tell you like what the biggest like ratings are for like the season or the month or like what have you. And so like Disney is they give out ratings and they that's why Mandalorian and WandaVision and whatever were like the biggest ones of whatever month they came out in. But as far as like they're not going to tell you how many people rented Cruella. They're not going to tell you how many people did Raya because frankly they don't want you to know. Mm-hmm. They don't want that to be like a 
I don't know. They don't want because like imagine the numbers are bad. That just looks bad on them. It's embarrassing. It's mm-hmm. not a good PR move. Um, which is why I'm kind of thinking the premier access thing must not be too great because like when Mulan came out, um, I think that was premier access. Um, like they didn't release like numbers either way for it. They didn't say they did bad, but they didn't say they did good either. They just were kind of like, yeah, it happened. Like, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> but when I saw Cruella, there was like 30 ish people, maybe 40 in the auditorium. And this was like a, a 9.30 showing it on a Thursday. Like, it was pretty packed when I had to go see it. And everyone seemed to love it. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you have like these simultaneous streaming movies that are even killing at the box office, imagine, and I promise I'm not just saying this, but like imagine what like Fast 9 won't do mm-hmm. at the end of June. And I'm only saying that because it's like a non-streaming blockbuster. Like, it's mm-hmm. you have to go to the theater to see it. It's not on Peacock or HBO or any of that shit. Like, you have to actually go out and see it. Like, I'm just really curious, like, in the COVID with, like, um, with social distancing and all this stuff still being in place, what is the cap for a box office right now? Like, what is, like, our in-game opening weekend? Like, what's the equivalent to that now? Like, is it 200 million opening weekend? Like, is that the ceiling? I, or... I genuinely think Fast Nine is like gonna set it. Like I think that I genu like I mean I know we like talk about Fast all the time on this podcast, but like I think Fast because it's I mean it's a Fast and Furious movie. Like I think that's gonna be that like when Fast and Furious comes out, we'll get like a really good look at like what we're looking at as far as people coming out to see the movies. Yeah, because like it and the weird thing is like it feels bigger than anything else this summer. Mm-hmm. Which is weird because like it's opening up two weeks before a Marvel movie, but for some reason Fast feels bigger. Like it feels mm-hmm. like more of an event. Like this is almost like the tenant of 2021. <laughs> like it's 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 kind of like the yeah this is the movies are back baby movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of funny, and I promise like I'm I'm taking my own personal bullshit out of this when I say it. Like, <laughs> um, but like. It really is like it's funny that Vin Diesel and all these guys—they're becoming the poster child almost for like um, the the theater exhibit, like the the mm-hmm. exhibition of cinema, right? Like it's really fun to watch. Like there be a hunger and like excitement again for movies after just a year of it being dead. Mm-hmm. And a so, movie that we've been advertised for almost two years at this point, like we because Fast Nine was supposed to come out last year. And it's, yes. it's still got this, I mean, it's, I mean, more fucking more power to him. It's still got this like intense hype behind it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like, it, so like, what do you think? Like, what do you think it's going to make opening weekend? I don't even know. I said at least, I think it'll definite, I think it easily will crack like 80 million. Um, I think it could maybe hit a hundred. I think definitely. I Mm, I think yeah, I could see. I I think uh, it, the the betting man says it will definitely pass a hundred million. I don't know, maybe a hundred between a hundred and a hundred and fifty. I don't know. I I don't know if it'll quite break two hundred just because that's oh, it, like yeah, it know. won't. No, there, yeah. because like I don't know if it's like mathematically possible for like that to happen in a three day stretch when like mm-hmm. social distancing in theaters is still a thing. Yeah. Um, the only way I could see that happening is if like. And I know it's definitely a possibility where, like, every theater, like, every auditorium in each theater is playing the movie, mm-hmm. um, which it could which be close to Which is the world it. Martin Scorsese wants. That, <laughs> true, 
just imagine like uh, at AMC Altamont, all 18 screens are playing Silence. Like when you go there, that's, <laughs> that's the future liberals one. <laughs> well, what, that would be kind of like, what would Martin Scorsese do? Because if Fast and Furious saves the movie theaters, mm-hmm. what is he going to say about that? You know? <laughs> No, exactly. Like, I, I, I have no clue, quite frankly, because like, and that's what I've been kind of saying, like, ever since the theater shut down and the Marvel discourse has started heating up because no one leaves their fucking house. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, okay, like, yes, I, I, I do think there is valid criticism to be had with Marvel movies, even though I'm a fan, right? Like, I don't get upset when people say certain things because it's like, yeah, like, whatever. But imagine like and this goes to like any blockbuster it's like you can talk shit all you want but it's like but like these movies are keeping theaters open like mm-hmm. the, and you couldn't say that's a problem you can say oh people need to get more into indie cinema or like yeah sure but like at the end of the day they keep the lights on like they are what pays the bills of these theaters and I don't know. Like, I just kind of want to respect them in that sense where it's like, if it's a communal experience that genuinely gets people excited to come to like your favorite place in the world again, what's the issue? Like, I don't get the problem. Like, I really don't like, mm-hmm. I mean, I get, cause I agree with Scorsese in general. Like I do. We already had this big discussion when that episode happened, but I don't know. Like, I just think now in the COVID era where things are so dire. It's like, we could use anything now. Mm-hmm. And now it's just time to like celebrate movies as a whole again. Like, yeah. We... What's the, what's the black dynamite quote? he says, a helping hand is a helping hand clean or dirty. Guess my hands are too dirty for you. <laughs> um, as always, Joey comes in with the black dynamite wisdom. Um, <laughs> it's a good movie. <laughs> it's a great movie. Um, but yeah, uh, I I think you I, I think this definitely goes over 100 million opening weekend. I just mm-hmm. the question is where, like how high is the ceiling, right? I'm gonna I, say 128. That's my final number. 100. Why 28? Just because that's it seems like that just seems like a good number, you know. <laughs> um, I, I so badly want to say 150. Because, like, I want to – I don't think it will. I don't think – just, like, again, mathematically, like, I don't know if it adds up, right? Um, but I think anywhere between 105 to, like, one, uh, 140 is acceptable, right? Like, I think that's the play box that we're playing in. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, then again, there's, like, Black Widow. Like, that's a streaming movie, but it's also a Marvel movie. Like, how much does that make opening weekend? I don't know if Black Widow has the same amount of hype that uh, something that Fast 9 does. It doesn't have the same amount of hype, but don't underestimate how, like... The brand, yeah. The brand, exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it's it, this is the first Marvel movie in two years, and that's, like... Oh, well, that's, yeah. That's not nothing. Like, that's something, right? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and also, like, you know, I don't really personally care that much, but, like... Um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Scarlett Johansson. Like, uh, Black Widow is like one of the most, like, she's a really popular Avenger. Like, she's a, mm-hmm. like, um, in 2014, she was the world's highest paid actress because she did Winter Soldier and Lucy back to back. Like, she's a huge movie star. So, like, I, I mean, even though we don't like love it to that mm-hmm. extent, it's like you can't underestimate like how yeah. 
how prominent it is. So, mm-hmm. and it's a I big think, action movie. So, I, probably. I think I think that one minimum makes eighty opening weekend. Mm-hmm. Like, 80? if not even eighty, but I think um, maybe even higher. Like, well, I can see like a it doesn't. Oh, we're one hundred five. Okay. I, I could I could see doing like one hundred five, one ten opening weekend. Yeah, I think I think it could crack. Um, I yeah, I think it, I'll give it ninety. We'll, I'll do ninety, and I'd like to be pleasantly surprised. But let's hope it doesn't bomb because that would be I don't. It, it won't bomb. I, I think it's nearly impossible for like a a Marvel movie to bomb. <laughs> like even if it goes under expectations, it won't bomb. Um, but yeah, I mean those are really the two biggest ones. This um this summer movie season like i mean in i the mean heights maybe but i don't know in the heights is i i mean i we we've seen it we love it we'll probably do an app on it next week when it comes out but um it, i don't know what it's gonna do because it is hbo and it's been proven like with godzilla versus kong that these movies can still do good but i'm wondering can they do great mm-hmm. can they do like really massive numbers when like people say like yeah, it's it's available on hbo max but also sorry it's available on torrenting sites like people mm-hmm. aren't stupid we people know how to find things online and when you give them that access to download something it will be spread like wildfire mm-hmm. um so that's that's also not insignificant like that's why i think the hbo thing it, it was good for a certain amount of time but now that we're gearing up to go more back to the way things were before things shut down, it's like, okay, now you've like deliberately set yourself a ceiling of how much you can make. Mm-hmm. And you got to question whether or not that's a good thing or a bad thing. When other movies like Fast Nine are going to like soar really high. Like you're maybe robbing yourself of like a hundred million. <laughs> like, and that's, that's not insignificant. So yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, let's uh, all hail. Long story short, Fast Nine is the savior of is our generation's Jaws. It's gonna save movies. I I sincerely believe that. I mm-hmm. I like I really do. Like movies will be back on June twenty fifth. Like Fast is back, movies are back, baby. Um, so speaking of Cruella and a Quiet Place, but let's start with Cruella. We mm-hmm. both saw it. We just talked about it um you know the latest disney product <laughs> we saw it in theaters uh not on disney plus right you saw it in theaters you said i did see it in theaters yeah okay yeah um so joey what were your expectations for this movie going in and what did you think of it i wasn't looking forward to it um just because it's a, i mean not not i like everybody involved with it just it's a disney movie it's a disney live action movie so and they haven't been great but um the talent behind the movie uh i didn't realize uh craig is it gillespie is how you say his last name Giuseppe, uh, I, don't know. I think so yeah gillespie the guy yeah, who did i tanya and lars and the real girl um is mm-hmm. was directing it and um the i don't know who wrote it uh, i didn't look at that but like emma stone's a great actress emma thompson is great we're big huge uh richard jewel fans here so any movie <laughs> with paul walter hauser is a yes on our book um mm-hmm. So I wasn't. I was. I was watching it for the pod, and I was watching it because I love Emma Stone. Um, and uh, should, do I say what I thought of it? Yeah, go for it. I was pleasantly surprised by this movie. It's pretty darn good. It's probably yeah. the best live-action Disney movie. I would yeah, say. Yeah, I was. Just the, yeah. It, it's the one that feels most like a real movie. You know. 
Yeah, like I would, um, I would, I kind of put it like hand in hand with like my other favorite live action Disney movie, which is Christopher Robin, mm-hmm. where I, these are like, those are the only two that I like love. I, I think Christopher Robin's a great heartwarming movie. And this is really good because it just is its own thing. And it doesn't feel tied down to the source material whatsoever. Like, and I don't know what I was expecting going in. Like uh, on the other pod, Zelenal Cannon, me and Kira joked for like weeks that it's not a real movie. Like, mm-hmm. like Cruella doesn't exist. It's not a, it's mm-hmm. not a movie. Like it's not. <laughs> and watching it, it's just like you're you're like kind of expecting it to be one thing going into it. It's just like a, it's an origin story for a Disney character. So you're like, okay, like it's gonna kind of suck, right? It it's really just a fun movie. Like that's what I loved about it. It's it feels like a genuinely big budget, big scale, fun fashion heist movie. Like it mm-hmm. it's a lot of weird subgenres just kind of blended together. Mm-hmm. And I and there's like an inherent weirdness to it that. And also like a mid-budget kind of feel, like where they really don't make movies like this anymore. And it really charmed me to that extent. Like, and when I say mid-budget, I mean like you can see the production value, you can feel the money behind it, but there's nothing too grandiose about like the Mm -hmm. scale or like the the the, like the ambitions of the movie. Like it's just a pretty small story given a lot of Disney money, and it's it's kind of refreshing. I wish they would do more of this. Mm-hmm. yeah 100 it's like uh yeah there's no like real there's some cgi in the film but it never ever gets too egregious at all and they're, they're, the set pieces are the are kind of you know in, as opposed to it being you know a big a grand creature or like a really realistic looking cgi character it's it's like a cool dress or it's <laughs> a or it's like a it's like an art piece corella has put up so it, i i really liked i i it, uh, that's kind of a really good way to put it it feels I don't know why yet yeah, the the mid budget kind of smaller scale of it makes it a, a lot more just charming to watch because I don't I don't know it, 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 it I I had never really thought about until you just said that kind of you do there is a bit of I think I mean I, I there's Marvel fatigue but then I think there's also just kind of like Disney spectacle fatigue where like mm-hmm. at this like we're getting shit like the I mean before the world ended we were getting shit like the nutcracker and the legend of the four realms you know and the fucking alice in wonderland and the father time like it was just kind of we were kind of at the end of the line and kind of with just these kind of cgi smorgasbords and then lion king is kind of the 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 culmination of all of that but it's you know this it just feels like a real movie and i i do love christopher robin and i love mary poppins returns and i'd put this one definitely with those as well Mm-hmm. Um, it's just fun. It's a good movie, and then Emma Stone is is I, I that was one thing I was kind of not to say that you can't be good, you can't give a good performance in a movie like this, but it's very rarely do we see great performances come out of these movies. Um, mm-hmm. I thought you know Emily Blunt did a great job as Mary Poppins, and I thought um, yeah. you know there's there's good performances in even in, Ewan McGregor, Christopher Robin. Yeah, like, Ewan he was McGregor really good was really good. Pooh was really good in Christopher Robin. So <laughs> Eeyore but, was great. Yeah, Eeyore Robin. was great. Uh, <laughs> but like Emma Stone is legitimately great in this movie. She gives an excellent. She's uh, great, great in the movie. Paul uh, Walter Hauser is hilarious. Yeah. And it's, and that's Emma what I was gonna Thomas say. Is great too. Like it's well, great acting. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like it's not. It's even more. I mean, yeah, Emma Stone is fantastic in this movie. But like even on top of that, like it feels like a genuine ensemble, which is mm-hmm. also refreshing. Like. You're right. Paul Walter Hauser was fantastic. I can't remember the other guy, like her other friend of the trio. Yeah, he's, he's great really, too. He's really good. But like, 
Emma Thompson, holy shit. Like, what a great villain. Like, every scene she was in was either hilarious or, like, weirdly disturbing for a Disney movie. Like, uh, or just, like, just a ton of fun to watch. Like, there's a scene where um, she's at a restaurant with Emma Stone, and she does something to the waiter that made me gasp. Like, I was like, holy shit. And it's and if you just read it on paper, it doesn't sound like that extreme. But the way the scene plays out and just Emma Thompson's incredible performance, you're just kind of like, wow. Like, this is, like, really... And again, uh, Craig Gillespie, uh, like, Mm -hmm. his direction is sublime. Like, he moves this thing. Like, I, and it really, like, makes you wonder, like, is this, like, a passion project for him? Because, like, it mm-hmm. feels very weirdly personal um, for a Cruella de Vil movie. <laughs> like, yeah. And that's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's just, like, it's it's weird because it, it, it just feels, I keep saying it, but it felt like, the, the, it felt like a real movie because it was, like, the cinematography is great as well. The camera moves so so much and it, it's mm-hmm. it's genuinely well lit and it's genuine it's like there's a there's a car chase sequence that's really good so it, it's just it, it kind of it has that disney money behind it but it doesn't feel i mean this movie is a product but it doesn't feel like a product i guess because it's and it's also like at the beginning or like like at the beginning like there's a, a certain scene that happens and if you've been on twitter for the past week you've seen the discourse and the meme behind it where a certain character has something happen to her at the expense of animals. That's all I'll say. And I, I get it. If you look at it through the lens of Twitter memes, that scene is super goofy. And it is like a little bit silly in the movie. But the movie is also very, it, it very much embraces its silliness, which is something that I liked. Like it never takes itself so seriously, but also in the same breath, it doesn't make a joke out of itself. Like it's not an entirely like a wink, wink, nudge, nudge, like reference, reference movie, you know? Like it very earnestly tells its own story, but like, I don't know. Like, but it also doesn't like, do it like the self-seriousness of Joker almost where it, it just finds that sweet spot. Like it knows it's Crowdeville movie and it knows it has to entertain people, but it doesn't like go too far with the joke or the self-awareness to where it stops being a real movie, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And that's what I loved about it. It just, it found a really perfect balance. And again, I work at a theater where I talk to people, I engage with people like every day, like, cause I do market research and we talk uh, to moviegoers about like what they thought of the movie and every single person we talked to after this movie, they loved it. Like they were like, that was excellent. Like that was great. Um, I don't know if I would say it was like excellent, but it's just, I guess maybe it's cause like every other Disney adaptation is so bad yeah. that we're kind of like, Oh, it's like an actual movie. <laughs> like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's refreshing. It's not the Lion King. It's not Mulan. Like, mm-hmm. did you even see Mulan? Like, I didn't it, see Mulan. No, it, it's terrible. I think, I think Mulan might be my least favorite. Like, I liked it even less than The Lion King, which is saying mm. something. Like, it, it's pretty damn bad. <laughs> um, and I think after Mulan came out, I just was so burnt that I was like, I can't get excited for these anymore. Like, mm-hmm. and even the ones I don't dislike, like Beauty and the Beast, I don't hate, but it's just kind of like whatever, you know. Like, I feel nothing towards it. Like. So, like, in my eyes, that's the ceiling for these movies, is, like, okay, like, sure, they exist. Mm-hmm. But now this one comes out, and I kind of love it. 
Like, I kind of really love this movie. Like, if they keep being like this, like, I'll ju- like, I hate to say it, but, like, if they keep making movies like Cruella, I'll be, like, excited to see what they do next, just because... And I, I think it's, too, it's they got, like... And I, I'm not not to say they... Because they, they usually get really talented people to... That's crazy. I just realized they, they... I was about to say, if they get, like, talented directors behind these projects, they can do well. But, like, they Guy Ritchie do. did Aladdin, and John Favreau did Lion King. So I, that, that point is mute that I was just saying. It, so why, Craig Gillespie just kind of dunked on John Favreau and Guy Ritchie and whoever yeah. did Mulan. Well, I guess maybe the, the disconnect is maybe, like... Because with Lion King and all these movies, you have to have like a genuine scale. And mm-hmm. but I think with Cruella, there is a little bit of wiggle room where it's like, it's not the Lion King. It's like you can tell like people when they're buying a ticket for Cruella, they know it's going to be some kind. It's very singular. It's its own mm-hmm. little thing. Yeah. And and if we are going into that little sandbox now, like if we have to suffer through like Lion King remake after Lion King remake and all this shit just to get the point of like now they're exhausting their characters but now it's getting like creative with it mm-hmm. i'm excited for that like i don't know what else like what other characters they would do like in the same vein of corella where mm-hmm. it's just like a like a joker-esque movie but <laughs> like and i hate the, that i'm even saying that but like <laughs> it's um I, i'd be interested to see if they would do another one not specifically corella but like uh, another like villain movie like do a Captain Hook movie or like do a I don't even know like whatever else there is like Ursula or some shit mm-hmm. like just do something fun and just get like a weird director like get the Safties to do like some weird <laughs> Disney movie like I don't know like <laughs> like go all the way with it man mm-hmm. like and also I don't want to bring Oscars too far into this or up too early but like costume design like Easy. I this is and also it's like very deserving like. Mm-hmm the costumes in this movie are like kind of fucking mind blowing at points. Yeah. Like, they're great. I mean that, which that, that dumpster thing was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. The dumpster one is definitely the standout. Cause like even mm-hmm. I saw it with my mom, I saw it twice. I, I take my mom to see it on Memorial day and that scene where she comes up the dumpster or in the, the trash and like the, the big like dumpster dress, like it, she, my mom audibly like, wow. Like when that mm-hmm. happened, like, <laughs> and yeah, I don't know. Like, there's just so many dresses. Like, I think I read an interview where the costume designer made over 150 dresses for this movie. And you can tell. Like, you mm-hmm. feel it. it. I like that that's where the money went, too. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's refreshing when, like, money is spent on physical things that you can tangibly see and not, mm-hmm. like, have to second guess if they're just, like, animation. Like, it's... I don't know. It was just really satisfying. So, um, but what would you give Cruella on a scale of one to ten? I'd give it uh, an eight out of ten. Me too. Um, I I can't give it much higher because there are. I think it goes on a little bit too long, mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, although I do kind of admire the fact that it's over two hours. Like it just doesn't feel the need to be any shorter. Um, and there are some plot points that are kind of like okay, that's a little bit convenient, right? Um, but for the most part, it's just a really fun time with the movies. Like, I think this is the most fun I've had of the movies since, I think since theaters reopened, like mm-hmm. I, I, since Tenet, I will say this is the most entertaining movie I've seen since, since Tenet. Um, so yeah, eight out of 10 for me. I really enjoyed it. Um, and moving on to a quiet place part two, Joey, we gotta, we gotta talk very low. We gotta whisper. We gotta, we gotta... <laughs> Okay, was it just me, or did they just, like, 
and this isn't indicative of my like feelings on the movie at all but like in this movie they just kind of forgot that they were in a quiet place like they talk a lot in this movie yeah no they're not uh they're not <laughs> There, I mean, there's a couple like at the beginning a little bit, but then pretty much at a certain point, it's just a normal movie. <laughs> yeah, it's it's really. I mean, there's reason for why they're talking more. Like it's not mm-hmm. complete without merit, but they make a lot of noise in this movie. So, you know, if they're gonna break the rules, so am I. We can talk. Um, so I guess I'll start with my expectations for this movie. I didn't really know what to expect from it because. On the one hand, I love the first movie. I know it has some kind of like a little bit of backlash to it, um, but I I really enjoy it. It's just a very simple, contained movie that's really well directed. And uh, I know horror sequels are sometimes like never usually as good as the first one, but I was still holding on hope that they would do something unique or different with this movie. Um, considering John Krasinski said like he loved the idea for it and he was like very eager to make it. Um, so going into it, I was a little bit, you know, cautious, but I was hoping for the best. And um, I, I gotta say, I don't know if I liked it more or less than the first movie. I think I honestly liked it just about the same. Like it more than any other horror sequel or even sequel for that matter it feels like a true part two to the first movie. Mm-hmm. Like the continuity is like extremely spot on. Like if you play these movies back to back, you could convince me that they shot them back to back because it doesn't feel like they, there's a gap between filming. It, mm-hmm. it feels very seamless in the way it picks up after the first one. Um, and for that, I really enjoyed it. it. It just feels like another chapter to the story. And I like that. Uh, what did you think? Um, well, the first one, I'm, uh, I like the first one. I don't think it, I'm not too huge on it. Um, I think it's fine. Um, I think it's a really well-directed movie with great acting uh, that has a kind of a weak script. Um, and so this one I was looking forward to. I thought the trailers were really solid for it. Um, and I'd heard nothing but great things about it. And I um, definitely liked this one more than the first one. I think it's pretty much an improvement in every regard. Um, I don't think anything about the first one is better than the second one. Um, it's better shot. The acting's better. I don't know if the acting's better, but it's better shot. The acting is just as good. The story is a lot more... Uh, there's a lot more going on in it. Um, it just does a lot more. Uh, the lighting is great. Uh, and I, I just think it's... Uh, my only my only real issues with the film is it's... I, I just think the writing is not up to par not to say the writing is bad but the writing is not up to par with the rest of the film so it's like this really it's it's this it's this it's this pretty good movie that's incredibly presented and i think it's you know and john krasinski is a genuinely a great director he directs the shit out of this movie there's so it moves so much there's so many uh there's you know the you know and it it it's kind of it's a sound movie you know the the script makes sense you know there's there's you know there's references and callbacks it feels like a complete picture it's just the writing is just not as good as all the filmmaking is because obviously the sound design is excellent the score was really really good uh there's so many incredible there's 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 incredible one take sequences and then there's also just characters walking down the street that's one take so he does a lot of long takes it's it felt very uh spielberg-y to me it kind of this kind of feels like his war of the worlds in a way 
Yeah, that's a good like um good comparison. I I think because like especially the opening scene of this movie, mm-hmm. like or it's a very long opening scene. Um, yeah. it, I don't want to spoil it too much, but it's it, it kind of a flashback almost to like uh the day everything started. And like I don't want to get into like in case anyone hasn't seen it, but like the way it plays out, like you would think like oh I don't need to see a flashback to like because like I think the first movie just tells you just enough to you so you get it. Mm-hmm. But if you told me like a year ago, I'm like, I don't want to see like how it started. I like the mystery, but the way he does it in the opening mm-hmm. is really good. In fact, I would say the first like 10 minutes or whatever. I can't remember how long it is exactly, but that's my favorite part of the movie is the yeah, opening. Yeah, it might be the best part of the movie. It probably it, is. Yeah. It's And it's not to say that it goes downhill or anything. It's just the opening is so damn good mm-hmm. that like, it's just really interesting to see like, like a society like be functioning and then have they like just see them immediately have to react to the mm-hmm. situation that they're in and um almost kind of like covid almost like in the sense of like like society is just happening and then they have to like adjust to it immediately mm-hmm. and again like you said like this movie is incredibly well directed i would say it's even better directed than the first movie mm-hmm. like the set pieces are more concise. Like it feels more confident in its mm-hmm. own skin, which is something it's more I really ambitious. like. Yeah, it's definitely. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it swings even higher for the fences in this movie, mm-hmm. um, which I, I don't think it ever fails, but I don't think it also pays off the same way he was hoping for at times. Mm-hmm. Like there are scenes where you can tell, especially towards the third act, where you can tell he's going for really i don't know like tender moments of emotion but he's hoping to have the same trick from the first movie where spoil i mean if you're listening to this i'm assuming you've seen the first quiet place movie it's one of like the biggest movies of the year it came out Mm -hmm. but jump ahead if you haven't like when his character dies in the first movie it's excellent because you Mm -hmm. feel the emotion with no dialogue like you feel his sacrifice for his kids in that moment and it works completely without any dialogue or exposition or anything. It just works because the movie built up to that point. And then this movie, I'm not saying the emotion doesn't work, but it, there's never an emotional moment in this movie that is even half as compelling as that movie or as that one scene. You know what I mean? I thought that the, I mean, if we can, are we allowed to talk spoilers or no? Try to just be vague. Like there's a, there's a scene that Killian Murphy has with uh, the daughter um, after they've arrived at a, place and learned something uh that is positive and there's a there's a nice little exchange of dialogue uh where killian murphy kind of he references a previous line that was said uh and he gets up and he walks away and i thought that was well done um well it was good but like i i didn't think there was ever a point where like it like because like the first movie made me cry when i saw it oh really okay and it's not because like I think it's an amazing movie or anything. It's just because that one moment that I was talking mm-hmm. about was so powerful to me that it really worked. And this movie, I feel like it goes for that moment. It, like it goes for that same moment again. Mm-hmm. Not like a death or anything, but like a there's a moment at the end where two characters are doing something in unison, and it's going for like an emotional moment, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I I just didn't quite feel it at that moment mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like i'm not saying it was bad like i i felt it to a certain extent like i was like oh that's cool i like it but it didn't evoke a strong reaction out of me like i feel like it was going for if that makes sense mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, well, I guess, I don't know. I liked, because my biggest critique with the first Quiet Place was I didn't, I thought it, like, it was, in terms of, like, the like the movie itself, like, it had scale and it had ambition, but I didn't feel like the movie had much of anything to say other than, I thought that, you know, the theme, you know, it was about what a, what a parent is willing to do for their kids. I didn't think it went much deeper than that. And I still think that that, I still kind of have that issue with this film. I don't think it entirely, it's not a, it's, it's, it's a pretty it's pretty standard blockbuster fare but i thought this one uh, a lot more than the first one had a real kind of like message to say kind of a bit of a you know there's a bit of a passing the torch to the kids but it just kind of had a it was a lot more it went for something bigger than the first one did in terms of emotion so i appreciated that uh so that's why i'd actually like to see john krasinski do like not a blockbuster. like i'd like to see john krasinski do like a kind of a completely like different small like just huge just see how he does when he's not working with these big huge set pieces you know yes i i was also thinking about because like i there i mean it's very admirable what he's going for with the quiet place universe because it's a very fun sandbox to kind of play in i'm sure as a director is to like have all these set pieces be defined by like one simple rule of like don't make noise right like, because if you set up a rule for a scene and you're a screenwriter, it can be the most fun thing to do is to play mm-hmm. in that like scenario or that rule. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure it's really fun for him to do that because like it's also his own baby. Like it's its own yeah. creation. So he's like, I'm sure he's having a great time and I'm happy because, again, I even though I have those small critiques, I really liked this movie. I think it's really mm-hmm. good. Yeah, I think, um, I think John Krasinski could give himself a pat on the back. I think he did it again. He did it again, basically. He did it yeah. again, but better. So he's like a yeah. slam dunk on his part. Yeah, but like even that being said, like I agree. Like I would be interested to see him like do. Um, I hate to say it, but like maybe not even a Marvel movie, but like maybe a DC movie or like something where mm-hmm. he can do a big blockbuster, but like maybe with like more wiggle room for creativity mm-hmm. or like actual like direction on his part. Like, I could see him, honestly, like, have him do, like, Justice League 2 or some shit. Like, mm-hmm. have him do, like, a genuinely big-scale movie, right? But, like, let him play with the emotions. Like, have him, have him like, because re- that's something he does really well, is emotion. Like, mm-hmm. throughout both Quiet Place movies, he understands the necessity of character and all that. Like, he, he really understands how like the emotional core of a movie and how that's so essential to the tension. They go hand in hand. Cause if you don't care about the characters, you won't care about what's happened to the characters. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause like all I'll say is, and, and I'm going to say like one word. And if you've seen the movie, you know what I'm talking about, but bear trap in this movie. Oh, that was amazing. That was great. It, like I, I, I don't make noise in a theater. Right. When that scene happens in this movie, and again, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Bear trap. When that happens in this movie, I literally screamed. Mm-hmm. I like I, I didn't mean to. I, I it just it was an instinct, right? Because you know you know what's gonna happen. And when it happens, it it's like it's like the nail scene in the first movie, but a hundred times worse. Mm-hmm. And holy shit, like it, it really got me, man. It it, it really. And again, that's what I'm saying. Like he has these really cool ideas that I would love to see him go even further with. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, hopefully one day. I mean, I have no mistake. He's a white guy in Hollywood. He's also talented. He's gonna. He's he'll be fine. He's he's gonna have opportunities in the future. But 
Um, I guess I'm just really excited to see what he does. Like, yeah, I can't, I, I I can't, can't wait another... to see what he does next. Yeah. I almost, you know what? I Weird, maybe, I don't know. Because like, I know James Mangold's doing it, but Indiana Jones 5, I think he would have done like a really good job. Yeah, like he should, yeah, he's kind of like, if he wants to take up the, the mantle as like a, kind of making Spielberg type movies, that'd be awesome, you know? Yeah. Like, I'm sure James Mangold would do a great job with it and everything, but like, because like it's when you brought up like the Spielberg comparison, like with uh, War of the Worlds and everything, it's like, like that's the kind of like I wouldn't say it's mid budget, but like high budget, but not quite Marvel or Star Wars, mm-hmm. like just like a little bit below that. Like that's the sandbox I want to see him play in, like the the Indiana Jones area. Like yeah, let's give him a give him a space movie or something. Give him a. Let him do a musical, even. Let him do West Side Story. He'll do his own version of it. Honestly, though, I think if... Because he's proven... I mean, with his use of sound in this movie, or even lack thereof, like, he he knows the necessity for, like, the use of sound. And I think he would do a killer musical. Mm-hmm. Like, he really would. Like... Because, uh, I mean, and also, he loves emotion, too. So sound and emotion... Yeah, dude, John Krasinski, give us a call. We have some, we have some things to talk about. <laughs> yeah i'm down i i would love to see that happening um yeah uh i mean i don't know i don't really have a lot to say because it's hard kind of hard to talk about it without spoiling it i have um, one thing that i want i don't know if i missed something but there's a there's a reveal that never really gets addressed again and it's kind of a bizarre reveal. i just i mean if it's i it's kind of a spoiler though so i don't know if we want to wait a little bit to say it um, but I, how about this how about we I'm going to tell the audience, jump ahead, let's say, five minutes. Um, and if you have not seen this movie, jump ahead five minutes, and we should not be talking about this point. I'm setting the timer, so at 12.01, that's uh, when we'll stop talking about whatever it is. Um, so, yeah, what is your question, Joey? So why does Killian Murphy have his dead wife's like rotting corpse just up in his room? Um, if I'm not mistaken, he just, it happened and he did not have the power to ever confront it. Okay. Which well, cause that's is, what I, I guess, I mean, I, because I was leaving the movie and I was like, what the fuck was that about? And I was like, I guess that's what it was about. And they just never really like the reveal happens and it's never brought up again. So I was like, oh, that's kind of odd. I really think it's like he, cause like his entire character in this movie is like defined by his inability to act act even mm-hmm. in like moments where it seems like it's such a natural thing to do um but um it's he's really traumatized by like grief and uh, everything that's happened to the world and um i think it that's a big factor to his character is like he and that's why the ending is so like satisfying is like when he finally acts and does the right thing um but no i think that's what they were setting up is that like his wife was like um just someone he couldn't save and now that he couldn't save her not only can he not find the power to like bury her properly but like help anyone else in the future he's completely Mm -hmm. given up on life and it's i thought his character was fantastic i I loved him in this movie yeah he was a he was a great uh addition he's better than i mean i love you john but he was better than you um well that's something i me and kira talk about it a lot on the other pod but like like i love when like not in terms of quality of his performance, but I would say in terms of fame, he's a B-list actor. Mm-hmm. But I love it when like B-list actors just get like a great role to just really show off how good they are. Because Cillian Murphy is consistently great in every movie that he's in. He's just not the leading man ever, right? Mm-hmm. 
and he's fantastic. He's got Peaky Blinders. Well, yeah, but I, I mean, I, that's a TV show. Yeah, Peaky Blinders is an, also isn't like a, like a big. I mean, it's a popular show, but it's not like a Breaking Bad or. A, I've never or watched like it, so. Thrones. Yeah. I heard it's good. Um, yeah, I've also heard it's good, but like, I think, um, I, I would love to see him get like, I mean, even just continue in this world. Like he, he would do a great. I don't know. Like I, I really loved his character, and his performance was really simple. Um, I'll, I'll save the next three minutes for like another thing that I want to bring up that's kind of spoilery. Uh, Digimon Hansu, uh, a widely Academy Award uh, nominated actor, great at everything he's in, and he's reduced to like nothing roles. And even in this movie, he has really good like two or three scenes, and it's just completely killed off immediately. Like I, I want him to, like I want him to get like a headlining role at some point because mm-hmm. he's, he's a great actor and he just is given nothing. Consistently. Dude, let's get him his uh, his uncut gems or his good time. Get him in the South. He would honestly be killer in a Safety movie. Like he, mm-hmm. he, he really would. Um, I don't know, any, any C-list actor we really like is just good in a Safety Brothers movie. Let's get a Richard Jenkins in a Safety Brothers movie. Dude, that would be sick. <laughs> I, I, we talked about this uh, back when Uncut Gems came out, but like of actors who needed Uncut Gems. Um, let's get a Christopher Walken in the house with not Christopher Walken. Uh, what Steve Buscemi is what I'm. I don't know why I said Christopher Walken. Steve Buscemi, Steve Buscemi. deserves one. Speaking of uh, comedic actors uh, that we'd like to st- uh, that we'd like to see lose their minds. <laughs> nice, nice. Yes. Uh, Bo Burnham's Inside, uh, the Netflix special, came out uh, this past Sunday and being the two little Bo Burden boys that we are, we watched it right away. You stayed up till 3am to watch it, right? I did stay up till 3am to watch it. Yes. Um, and how many times have you seen it now? Like it, it's embarrassing, right? <laughs> like, I have seen it six times. <laughs> Jesus, dude. Um, that's to give away what I thought of it, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have, um, only watched it once because I'm a weak soul, uh, unlike Joey. Um, but this is maybe the best thing that he's ever done. It's right? the best thing he's ever. It's it's a, I, I I I almost <laughs> don't like. It's so okay because I <laughs> I've been a Bo Burnham fan for like. Ever. Like I want like back on his YouTube video. I wasn't like around when like my whole family thinks I'm gay came out. But like like later on in the YouTube career, I remember when Words 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 was on Netflix when it first became a streaming platform. Like that's how OG Bo Burnham. I've been I've been in the game. I have got I've got I got time. You know this is a, this is a lump sum cost thing. I I put too much time into this guy to give up on him. So. Uh, and I just the thing with Bo Burnham is I was such in middle school he was like my hero like absolutely my hero I like basically built my entire life around just the way he was and I and I kind of you know as you get older you kind of grow out of certain things and you kind of I, I don't I don't really have that same kind of obsession with with celebrity anymore uh, so I you know I, I but I was like obsessed with Bo Burnham like he was like I need to be like he was my he was this he was the he was the goal you know he was who I he was who who he, he, every middle school guy wanted to be Bo Burnham, and and then I and then I and, and then in high school Make Happy came out and I got to see Make Happy live, and it was so it was as if he kind of was growing up with me. It was it was a little more mature. It was a little sadder. 
and it would it had a lot more to say. And then he kind of you know he disappeared after that. He quit comedy. Uh, he came out with eighth grade. Eighth grade was really good, um, but it wasn't um, you know it wasn't him. You know it wasn't his stand up. It was different. It was a different piece. Uh, and Zach Stone is going to be famous. Is is also an amazing TV show if you haven't seen it. Uh, and honestly, I had kind of forgotten about Bo. I, I didn't really, not to say that I wasn't a fan of him anymore. He just didn't really have anything. Uh, there wasn't really anything to consume. You know, he didn't really have any content out. And then out of nowhere, he, he shows up and he drops uh, the, what might be the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Uh, he just drops it on Netflix in, on Memorial Day weekend. And it's absolutely incredible. Yeah. Um, I... Do not have quite as an extensive history with Bo Burnham as you do. Mm-hmm. I'm a stone. Um, what can I say? Well, the thing is, I've only, like, you kind of, like, grew up with, like, his YouTube channel and everything, right? Mm-hmm. And I didn't. I have only known Bo from his, I, I've seen What and Make Happy and uh, Eighth Grade, which I, I think I take it back when I say Inside might be, because I think Eighth Grade's probably still my favorite thing he's done, because I... Um, I think Eighth Grade's a masterpiece. I, I think it's a, a fantastic movie. I think it's like maybe the best depiction of like anxiety I've ever seen on film in my life. And um, especially like when he's talking about it in this movie, when he talks about like how anxious he is and like all the time, and like um, you really see like how he wrote that into Eighth Grade, and it just makes me appreciate that movie even more. Um, but so yeah, that like that was my history. Like I love Make Happy, I loved What, um, and Eighth Grade's masterpiece. So going into this, I was pretty excited. I didn't know what why to expect, and I think because like to reduce this to just like being a movie about quarantine or special, not movie, but like to reduce it to just being something about quarantine is to be like dismissive of like the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Because it's about so many different fucking things. Mm-hmm. It's about like just being trapped in your own mind, mm-hmm. and that I, I, I <laughs> you could write a thesis on the special, like you really could. Yeah. Like it's it's brilliant. It, it's mm-hmm. really brilliant. Like I was captivated from start to finish. I was emotionally moved. It, it's one of those rare pieces of art that broke me down and inspired me. Mm-hmm. All in one sitting. Yeah, like, it's, it's it's so good. It's it, I yeah. <laughs> I just can't. It's about. It, I also think um, this. I think so many people who were writing movies about quarantine had watched this and should just delete their screenplays because it's just this is like the definitive because it's not just about quarantine but I think this is like the definitive quarantine like nobody else is gonna make anything better about quarantine than this like this is so. And, and more so than quarantine, just this is such a perfect encapsulation of what it feels like to be a young person in this decade. Just he's able, he quite, he touches on pretty much every major aspect of our culture today. He gets Jeffrey Bezos in there. He gets, uh, you know, he's talking about Instagram. He's talking about, uh, you know, he talks about pretty much everything i was about to start listing it but i would never stop because he just basically he just kind of touches on every major aspect of what it what it is to be alive now and it's it's so cynical it's so but it's so funny but it's also an incredibly i think this is i this is a bit of a depressing special to watch but i think there is there's a huge heart there i think it's got a it's got a bo burnham i think one of the best thing one of my favorite things about him is he's deceptively sweet he's got a deceptively uh 
deep, deep under the cynicism and depression, there is like a really warmth. There's like a warmth to it. And it's so, it's so great. And his, the music has never been better. He, this is such, I love Make Happy. I think Make, I want to make happy is a 10, make happy and what are both 10 out of 10s in my book. But this is such a major improvement as far as this music, this is the songwriting and the music goes. I want him to put it on Spotify. I've never, I've never thought that of his specials. I usually listen to his, I listen to his songs, but I usually don't listen to them when I'm like driving, but I'm like, I, I'm driving home and I'm singing the songs from this fucking special. I want, I need this to be on Spotify just so I can keep listening to it. Yeah, no, I agree. Like I was even like, um, because like I was I I watched this and then I immediately like went out I had to like go drive somewhere and like while I was driving immediately after watching it I found myself like humming the white woman's Instagram yeah. thing. White woman. It's so fucking good. <laughs> and the thing is like you could you like any other like lesser performer would like find a way to like make it reductive or like somehow like an attack but like it's it, it's just it, it works like mm-hmm. i don't know how to explain it like it's just kind of something you have to experience it because like mm-hmm. if you are any because i know he's 30 uh he's now 30 and that by the way that scene where he turns 30 in real time mm-hmm. uh, holy shit yeah. <laughs> like because like especially because I, I know you're turning 21 this year and yeah. i'm turning 20 in a couple of days yeah happy everyone say happy early birthday joseph at your phone um or happy belated birthday depends when you listen to this Mm -hmm. um but i'm paying uh all right like i'm uh i'm turning 24 when in october so i definitely have that anxiety of getting older right now and to see him so clearly struggle with that and he's so afraid of being out of touch even more than he already feels now. And it, it, it he just encapsulates that anxiety so fucking well. Mm-hmm. But also, like, the anxiety of, like, not having connection with the other human beings and, like, uh, like sexting and, like, dating and, like, life and, like, FaceTiming your mom and, like, mm-hmm. all, like just so many fucking things. Mm-hmm. Like, in one special. it's That's why I was saying earlier, like, it's almost reductive to, like, talk about it as if it's just about the pandemic because it's not mm-hmm. it's just about like how the pandemic happened and that just made it worse on everything else that was already going on with our own lives and this is the only thing to ever come out of quarantine that made me feel seen and mm-hmm. like heard and made me feel a little bit better about what i was feeling because i like this perfectly sums up my anxieties for the past year yeah like i can't think of anything be- like and i can't imagine anyone else ever making anything better about the pandemic than this yeah it's just so it's it's one of it's they kind of it, it it like there's there are projects that i'm writing right now that i have to alter because bo burnham already said it like in this special where i'm like oh shit i can't but he already fucking said it i can't i gotta take that away and it's so it's just yeah he, he really is in he's so in touch with with kind of this generation of people he's he kind of has his finger right on the zeitgeist and he's he's able to do so well but it's 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 so it's you said this you said this earlier where it's any lesser performer would make it you know reductive or an attack but he's too smart for that he makes it 
and that can be said about pretty much every song in the special. You know, the sexting yeah. song on the surf, any you know, any lesser can they, they could go, they could be uh, <laughs> the, like a pretty shitty song. And any regard, and it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. You know? Where he's like, when he's like making, like they're doing sexting with emojis, and he's like, he, it's like the top hat emoji. That's all I'm wearing, and she's like, LMAO, but I doubt that. <laughs> yeah, like LMAO, so fucking. I doubt that. <laughs> so. So perfect. Yeah, she sends a Ferris wheel that's pretty abstract. It's so fucking good. It's so. What's your What's your favorite song in the special? Like I said, the White Woman's Instagram is probably mm-hmm. my favorite, just because it's just so catchy. But it's also like the also the visuals of it, like the way he's like he puts like the flowers on his eyes and like. <laughs> uh, but also that. Oh, but that one little moment where he gets sad about like the mom, like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, like they got me really sad really quick. Like I was like, what the fuck? Like, I, like it's it's honestly an incredible balancing act mm-hmm. that he's doing yeah. here. Like he, I, he nails it a hundred percent. And it's only like what seventy minutes or whatever. Like, it's like eighty two minutes, I think. Yeah, like eight seventy eight, like whatever. It's like somewhere in that. And it's like that's such a short amount of time. And I've seen like content like that's over like several episodes of something, like over like eight hours of something, right? And it doesn't even scratch the surface of how this made me feel in just an hour, mm-hmm. you know, like this, like once again, like I, I, I told Joey this after like, weirdly enough, like Spike played in theaters and we got to see like something we all worked on, like in a movie theater and people like react to it. But like seeing that and like seeing even like Quiet Place and even Bo Burnham, like inside, like I feel creatively inspired again. Like mm-hmm. I genuinely do. Because, like, people are making good things, and it's very gratifying as someone who has, for the entire pandemic, kind of juggled with, like, do I want to keep doing this? Mm -hmm. Like, do I want to keep going into an industry that's, like, consistently, like, well, not only dying, but, like, it's just being exposed. Like, there's so many shitty people in it, and there's, Mm -hmm. like, and I know that's not, like, that's every industry, but, like, you know, if you if you're in the film industry or if you're even like in the circle or the talk about it, it gets really hard to consider yourself a film fan sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like it's easy to watch movies, but it's 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 hard to like m- want to make a career out of it when like so often Hollywood is just exposed for being what it is, right? Mm-hmm. And then you see something like Inside or Quiet Place Two or something, and you're just kind of like, wow, like maybe it is worth it. Like creativity is cool. Like making things is cool. Like I remember why I love things again. And I know that's cheesy, but I I was genuinely reminded how good art can be. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I, like I, that's how good Bo Burnham is. He makes you remember how good it can be. He's just so, I don't know. It's just, I, this is, it's one of those things where, like, every time he comes out with a special, he completely, like, redefines himself as an artist. Like, it's each each special is just an improvement on the last. He just keeps getting better. And it's gotten to the point now where I can't even... People are asking... People have asked me to... Do, like, they're like... They'll be like, oh, what is this? Like, what is it? And I'm like, I don't even know how to describe what it is. Like, it's like... I'm like, it's, it's a kind of a one-man show, but it's kind of a vlog, but it's kind of not. It's, like, kind of a sketch. There's a whole, there's a whole fucking lot going on in here. There's a Sesame Street song in it. That's amazing. I can't wait to see what it does with the actual Sesame Street movie. Um, and it, but then there's also like I think he should genuinely write a musical, like a full-on musical, because he's so fucking good at making music at this point. Yeah, I I really do. Like I I don't know what else he has planned, but like I I genuinely even like more than like when we're talking about Krasinski, like I want to see what else Bo Burnham is gonna do. 
because mm-hmm. um also like another thing that i loved about this like at the end we kind of admits like um like i had anxiety i stayed inside and i got like and i got better right and mm-hmm. then the pandemic happened and then like i can't remember the exact lyric of the song when he's singing but he just was kind of like it it turned out to like just give me another excuse to not live my life mm-hmm. to like not go back to the world and that ending where he's like like coming out like like mm-hmm. the light it's just i i genuinely think any 20 year old or what how old you are that's feeling anxiety about going back into the world mm-hmm. should watch this yeah because it made me feel better. I'm getting actually just talking about it. <laughs> I, I am too, man. Like it, it's genuinely the most like creatively inspiring thing I've seen since the pandemic started. Like I can't think of anything better. Like yeah, it's so that last line in particular, the one you're referencing, is so the it's the, the I'm not last... doing it any service at all, by the yeah. way. Please watch it if you have it, because it, it, yeah. it it's amazing writing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it's all, but then it, you know, because it's 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 this weird thing where he's, it's like, because also at the same time he's got all of this going on, but then he also cuts to himself watching the special, and so it's it's this weird, it's this weird kind of self fulfilling prophecy where he's making a special about being anxious about people mm-hmm. perceiving him as an artist, but then he's also perceiving himself as an artist after the fact. So it's just this, like, there's so much, like, there's so many layers to what's going on. I just, it's like, it's kind of, it is kind of in a way up to your own interpretation what he's exactly trying to, I mean, the, the, the general themes are pretty obvious, but kind of what, like, directly kind of scene to scene he's trying to go for, it's, it's really interesting to kind of pick apart and see what he's trying to do. Yeah, like, I mean, there is, like, one line that really hit me, like, you know, as someone myself, like, who struggles, like, with mental illness on, like, pretty often, and I think, like, so many people in their 20s, they often do, like, that one scene where he's, like, joking about suicide, but he can tell, oh he, like, he knows it's making them uncomfortable, like, the audience, mm-hmm. and he's, like, so I don't worry, I'm not gonna kill myself. He's, like, if I could kill myself for 18 months and then come back, I would do it, mm-hmm. but, like, alas, when you kill yourself, you're dead for good, and we should not be dead for good, not yet. Like, mm-hmm. what? The, like, dude, what? Like, are you kidding that's me? That's some of the most, because inc- that's like, that's pure like stand-up writing. That's like, that's like a, that's an incredible passage. Like, that's just an incredible line of dialogue. It's so, yeah. Like, put that in a museum, dude. Like, that's so fucking good. And, and I, it, if it, but that's I like can't. so true, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's like everyone, like I, I mean, and that's not to like be dismissive or anything, but like often I find myself being like really in my own feelings and like really dramatic and like feeling like, wow, like I are these suicidal tendencies that I'm having. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, it's just like, I'm, I want to die for a short amount of time. But then Mm -hmm. I like in the back of my head, I'm like, I want to come back one day. Like I want to come back. I want to die for this period of time that I'm in. Mm -hmm. I don't want to die forever. And I've, but I've never heard an artist ever quite like genuinely ever explain it as well as he did in that one line Mm -hmm. like it is just so profound it's too because that's like that's like a pride that's not something that's discussed either that's a private thought that we have kind of with ourselves maybe with a few other Mm -hmm. people and the fact that he's able to take something kind of so delicate like that like like i mean like a, a suicidal thought that is you know kind of a passive suicidal thought like that and make it 
funny, poignant, and insightful all at fucking once. It's just like he's the guy. He's the goddamn man. I've just I'm yeah. so I'm so in awe of him. As a, I feel like a middle schooler again after watching the special because I'm so I'm just so I've never been. I, it's been a long time. I mean, I just watched Apocalypse Now, and that's the greatest movie I've ever seen. But it's been, I haven't been this floored. Sans Apocalypse Now, I haven't been this floored by, like, a piece of art in a very, very long time. Yeah, I, this is easily, I know it's not a movie, but it's the best thing I've watched this year, by mm-hmm. far. Like, like, a hundred, like, it's not even, like, it's not even a competition. I'm really tempted to put it as my number one of the year like i'm a letterboxd can we call it a movie because like i don't like i if it it, like there's a strong chance it would end up being my favorite thing of the year if i did Mm -hmm. it will be my there's nothing else that will be better than this unless dave Chappelle comes out with something even better but other than that there's nothing else or bill burr they do a whole season of mandalorian about bill burr but other than that there's nothing else that's gonna get me get me riled up like this well that's how i felt last year when um what do you call it? That uh, the TV show uh, Normal People came out, and it had which you haven't seen, right? Yeah, I haven't watched it yet. You you should. It's fucking fantastic, and it's like it just feels like a long ass movie. It doesn't feel like a TV show. Um, although the episode format like really makes you feel like the the time jumps all the more because it just feels like you're watching. It's almost like you're watching the before trilogy, but like in episodic forms. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I love it so much. But like, I remember when that happened and I finished it like in like a three day block and I, and it had such a profound impact on me that I was just like, I'm not going to watch anything this year. That's better than that. And truly like, even though like sound of metal was my and shit house and like all these other movies came out that were fantastic. Right. Nothing mm-hmm. else compared to that one, like that block of time that I spent with that show. Like that was my favorite piece of media in 2020 and i i could easily see this being the same thing i can't quite call it a movie but it is the the best thing i've seen this year so far and it's gonna be damn near impossible to top that mm-hmm. like it, it's really tough uh i'm not saying it's impossible we got dune coming out we got plenty yeah. of we got plenty of big things coming French but... dispatch soho soggy bottom oh yeah so by I'm the sure way fucking soho looks amazing by the way soho and french dispatch come out on the same fucking day I know you're not a trailer boy. Did you watch the Soho trailer? I did not watch the Soho trailer. Dude, I, I held you restraint. W- watch it. Why, it's he edited himself. It's not gonna spoil anything. Oh, okay. I'll watch it then. You, dude, you're gonna shit your pants when you watch it. It's like the best trailer I've ever seen. Like it, it. I'm not even being like that's not even hyperbole. Like I can't think of a better trailer in my like it. No, it's perfect. I can't wait. <laughs> okay. Um, and also just want to touch on like because we talked about like a lot about like the emotional like points of this and it, it is extremely emotional but like the just like pure comedy mm-hmm. is fantastic like that the the reaction video scene oh that's so fucking good <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's so good like i like it's ama- it actually angers me how he's mm-hmm. so funny and talented and everything all at once it's truly amazing i referenced it earlier but that sesame street song the the Sako song is so i i've been seeing a bunch of memes about it on twitter but like it's so good like he just completely the it's so fucking good it's just so fun it's just so well done and it's it's i watched when i was watching it i was like adam is gonna love this fucking bit i was like he's gonna absolutely love this bit it's so (laughs) good and then there's the whole the fucking uh yeah, it's no. The opening song is great. You know, uh, fucking saving the world with comedy is great. 
Yeah. It's so it's it's also I've I've seen it six times now. It's not as depressing as you think. It's I there, there's a pretty I when I first saw it I was like it's probably like 60% depressing, 40% funny, but I think it's a pretty even 50/50 split now at this point. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of the per- and even if it does tip over, it doesn't overpower mm-hmm. anything. Like it, it feels like a full experience, only in the sense of like this is what you're feeling during quarantine. Yeah. Like, this is what is a great song. Sorry, I just no. That. Yeah, you're right. Like everything, like literally everything. There's nothing bad about this. Like mm-hmm. it, everything is kind of perfect. And and that I mean, one, I, when he's doing the the stand up and he's like. <laughs> could yeah. anyone just anyone not shut the fuck up about anything it's so good and it's and i love that he's like um he said and you may be saying to yourself well you're talking right now and then and then it hard cuts he said and you'd be right but and then it hard cuts to like the next scene like before. Um, goes, uh, when he's talking about he's like also if you're a pirate can you take care of your treasure map please it's so good. I also like he said, um, I'm producing this all myself. So if there's any weird editing choices, I and then it hard cuts <laughs> to the <laughs> Like it's so good, dude. <laughs> it's so funny. And then also like that fucking uh the the funny feeling song is like I cried listening to that song. I was such a good like I did this made me cry. Yeah. I, I cried, I'll admit it. I was I was a tear I was a teary eyed boy the first time I watched Nothing it. Nothing wrong with it. I mean it's it's emotional, it's compelling, it's kind of everything. Like, yeah. I really loved it. Like, I genuinely loved it. And like I said, it makes me want to create art. Like, it actually does. Like, it, it makes me feel like not like it's such a pointless endeavor anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, it, and it's kind of, it feels silly to, like, say that, but that's the point, right? It's like, it yeah. just takes art that moves you to make you want to do it yourself. And that's what this did. It, it truly did. Um, it's a 10 out of 10. I don't know if we're going to rate it, but like if it is, if we are, 10 I, out of 10. Yeah, it's like, I mean, I guess since I'm bound by a 10 out of 10, it's it's like a, like a 20 out of 10 for me. Like it's The thing so... is, like, to even put like a seal, like to, to quantify how I feel is like to, by like a numerical scale, it's like that almost feels like reductive in the sense of like, I don't, because like it's bigger than a number. It's bigger than mm-hmm. a, it's bigger than any of that. It's just it's the experience the emotions that's something so much deeper that i can't fully quantify and Mm. yeah it's a masterpiece bo burnham should be so proud of himself for what he's done here like he really should be it's Mm. great um it should be on the netflix top 10 but it won't be (laughs) yeah it's so i think it's number two right now but we'll see oh is it yeah um oh my bad but it's so I mean, and he's so it's 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 yeah it's one of those things where it it you know to just to just give this a ten doesn't feel like enough because it made me it it made me feel seen you know like you said it made it's I felt seen on screen I felt it was it made me feel it, it answered questions I had it brought up some new ones that I hadn't thought about yet. It, it made me think about myself. It made me think about the world. It made me think about my place in it. And it just, it, it, it reminded, again, it reminded, yeah, you're absolutely right. It reminded me why I love, um, you know, it's not quite stand up, but why I love stand up, why I love filmmaking, why I love just art in general. It's just so, it's a, it's a complete, it's a gift. It's a complete gift. And I, 
we'll be in awe of it for the, for the next couple years, probably. Yeah. And also, he's in the Sesame Street movie coming out. So, like... Mm-hmm. He's doing the um, music for it. <laughs> yeah, he's doing the music, and he's apparently a main character in the movie. So, like... That... Ah, uh, dude. Fucking... Uh, way top of my fucking watch list now. What most anticipated movie of all time. Oh, did you not know that? I didn't know he was in it. I thought he was just doing the music. No, he's... I think he's at the co-lead with Anne Hathaway. Like, they're both That's in it. incredible. I could be... They're so I, tall. <laughs> they're so tall. Yeah, I think... Um, I. I, can you imagine just like a scene of him playing piano with Elmo or something? Like, I would burst into tears. I will. Bur- I'm just gonna sob the entire Sesame Street movie, I guess. <laughs> um, during the pandemic, I uh, watched that uh, late night with Elmo thing on HBO Max, where they gave Elmo his own late night late night talk show, and uh, there was an episode where he um, little Nas came on, and it. I don't know why it made me cry, but like it did because, but like little Nas like sings the uh, Elmo song with Elmo Mm -hmm. and it fully made me cry. Like it wasn't even sad. It just made me cry. There's something about Elmo. When Elmo's on screen, I want to cry. Like it's just, (laughs) like I fucking love Elmo. Um, And I Yeah. And so we're both going to be crying during Sesame Street. We can Um, probably cry. It comes out the same day as Scream 5, so that'll be a very weird double feature. It's a big day for you. It's a big day for me, indeed. I, <laughs> I guess it's a big day for me. I'm indoctrinated into the Scream Club now. Yeah, so as we found out last October, you're <laughs> now a Scream fanboy. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I feel like there's no other way to wrap it up than to just go for it. So, um, Joey, anything you want to you wanna plug? Uh um uh, not really uh, i don't have much i mean i'm yeah i don't have anything to plug right now i get watch inside um watch zach stone is going to be famous um watch apocalypse now um <laughs> just things i like at this listen to um Jerry oh, yeah, joey is not on social media at the moment i'm not so on he's... social media at the moment so i can't even plug my my socials but if you want my um... phone number ask adam for it yeah, I'll, I'll bet you out. If you seem cool, I'll give it to you. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I I mean, check out Aggressive OK Productions if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel. Like, mm-hmm. there's nothing new on there yet, but, like, probably want to hear to subscribe so you can get notified when there is something. Mm-hmm. Uh, all I can There'll say is that... something. Uh, there's a live performance in July, uh, but it, that'll be... If you can't make the live performance, it'll be filmed and put up later. And then I might finish Low Reverie soon. Uh, Maybe. We'll see. <laughs> uh, Who knows? What this and I'm going to, I don't know. I, don't, I got something, I got a lot to do right now. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> All I'll say is I helped with the script for Low Reverie. I was promised a rough cut of it. And it's, we, I still have, I haven't seen a single frame from that movie. So, uh, I have something, I have, I have a little bit of nothing that I can send you if you want. <laughs> please. I, at this point, it's just like, I want to make sure that my investment didn't go to waste. That like, it's a it, real movie. <laughs> yeah. I want to make sure I didn't get scammed. It's I, not a gorilla. <laughs> yeah. I, I sent my entire bank account to fund that movie and zero dollars and zero cents. And we, I got to see where my money went. Um, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Adam underscore not Sandler. Uh, my other podcast, Lino Cannon, is popping off. We're gonna about to do 
two weeks two weeks straight of Looney Tunes, and uh, I feel like I can announce it now. July, we're doing Twilight uh, all month. We're doing all five movies, baby. Um, we're popping off. It's going down. Might have to watch make Joey watch all of them then for his Oscar mm-hmm. punishment. I've seen them. <laughs> I've I've seen I've seen I haven't seen them in full but I've seen them. So you haven't seen them is what you're saying. I haven't seen them but I've seen <laughs> I they've been on the TV while I'm walking past my living room. That's but, not watching a movie. How many other movies have is that how you define like seeing The Godfather as well? You're yeah, like, that's yes. how I saw Moonlight, that's how I saw The Godfather, that's how Apocalypse I saw Apocalypse Now. Apocalypse <laughs> Now, yeah. Yeah, I watched Apocalypse Now while I was on TikTok, so I but I just looked cool, so he he watched a TikTok edit of Apocalypse mm-hmm. Now. He watched a Marlon watched, Brando fan cam. Yeah, I watched a Kurtz fan cam. <laughs> All right, gamers. Uh, Joey, if you want to do your usual closeout. All right. Well, well, well. Look where we found ourselves. Um, we went out and looked for a reason to hide again, and we found it. Uh, and you can find us at uh adam or what the fuck i'm I'm gonna take it back a little bit i'm completely all over the place right now (laughs) well gamers uh we find ourselves at the end of the road once again and uh while this is not a goodbye we'll leave you with uh we'll meet again uh good night and good luck gamers uh keep on corn i guess get a vaccine if you want keep on quarantining don't get not if you want get it uh keep on quarantining keep on social distancing keep on keep on keep it on and keep on blogging with that dog <laughs>